Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Sunny, touch chilly out there. Allison Lucan is here. We're a weather and hockey podcast now. Welcome. Uh, we got weather on the 10s. <laughs> All the ratings. Yes. Um, Allison, there was a time, oh, Saturday, Sunday, where it might have been a good idea to be ready to talk about the weather <laughs> because... Good God, the hockey team that the Blue Jackets sent up there to was that the Detroit debacle or how will those two games be forever uh, memorialized? And I choose that word carefully. Yeah, you know, when we look back at these seasons year over year, there's always a a, a pop up that happens um, that kind of symbolizes what the issue is. And um, it could it could be that weekend Um, if, if this comes down to the wire for a playoff spot. Um, oh. this, this could be the, the point that, that cost them. Um, it also, I think really costs them in terms of perception of, of a build of, of who the yeah. heck are they? Um, so yeah. yeah, it was, it was not a great weekend for that, that team. And then of course, just as you're ready to start shoveling dirt upon them, yes, <laughs> they go to Tampa and they beat the defending cup champion lightning three to one on Tuesday and played, it wasn't a great game by either team, but they played a smart, they were there, they were present for the game. They looked somewhat like themselves. Elvis was fantastic. Elvis was good, really good in Detroit. And, uh, you know, here we are now uh, in the final 20 games of the season. There are 19 remaining now. I don't know who the hell this team is, do you? Not a clue. And that's not a good thing. It's not, it's not to be no. taken lightly. At all. Yeah. And so to that end, and this is what we're going to talk about, because I think it's an interesting topic, uh, not the X's and O's so much of it, although we'll get into that a little bit too, but 
the idea of of John Tortorella's decision, a decision made after those games in Detroit, uh, on the flight from Detroit to Tampa, the decision is made. Okay, we have got to change something, and it's it's easier said than done. The GM just can't start trading guys. It takes two, uh, two to tango. So, what can this team possibly change? There before last night's game, there were seven before the trading deadline. Now six. What can they do to possibly get anything of value out of the last stretch of the season here? And so John Tortorella uh, devises uh, the plan that they're going to become a checking first, uh, defensively stout, as he would say, hard hockey team. And that's what they're going to focus on. That's what they're going to drive home and coach, that there is always going to be one more guy for them on the right side of the puck than you have. And they're going to try to win chess matches the rest of the way. Um, Allison, you're, they want to find an identity. They want something that they think they can do well. And so you, you simplify it to, I think, the most basic component and say, we've failed at everything else, as Tortorella said last night. There's just too much wrong to fix, which is a hell of an admonition of an admission for a coach. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to play this sort of checkmate hockey. What are your thoughts on this? I think this is a big topic that go on a bit if you need to. What, what, what hits you when you hear that this is how they're going to play? Honestly, like I thought this is what happened 10 games into the season. Like, is it not? Remember, they were going to be, first, they were going to be offensively free. We're going to be a free offensive team. And then they couldn't figure out who they were then. And then it was, nope, we're going to go back to the identity that we had last year. That's how we're going to play. Is that, am I making things up here? Is that not what happened? I I don't think you're making things up. I'm not sure if if it really happened. Well, fair. That way. Yeah. Or if this is now uh, being put forth with a greater amount of uh, rigidity. you know, it's so much about this season is is frustrating. Um, that that's part of why this frustrates me. And I and I, it's 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 always funny to me. And I'm sure this happens for any organization. You know, there's there's the people who are following a, a team and organization, and so they they know what's going on. And then there's the people who read the headlines or read the tweets and instantly have a reaction. Sure. Because they assume they know everything, and that is obviously a thing that happens with John Tortorella all the time. Um, but there was this huge reaction to this and I was like, this is, this to me is not some like mind blowing, massive overhaul change, but maybe what it is, is to your point is if this is what they were supposed to be doing 30 games ago, why are we still having to like harp on it and drive it home? Um, and that, you know, again, this, this last six or five right now, this last five game swing really personifies it. Like what, what is going on? And it's, it's very hard for me to understand how, yes, this roster has changed, but it was not overhauled. There are players on this roster who should remember and be capable of playing the way they played last year. So if that's what we went back to, why are we not executing that? Um, so it's just, it's just a very confounding thing to me. It speaks to frustration, which I don't, know is a bad thing. Um, and again, like 
this whole like this was their identity. I, again, I'm just missing the relevant the revelatory element to all this, other yeah. than maybe they just aren't ever executing. I don't know. Well, I think coaches and GMs, all certain ones, anyways, like big round numbers. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think back to when Scott Arneal was fired. It was at the exact midpoint of the season. Yes. Where someone decided we're going to give this to the midpoint of the season and then we're going to, which is fairly arbitrary. Um, coaches have said, we're going to do this. We're going to break the rest of the season up into five game blocks. Right. And we want to get six points out of each five games. Right. right? And right. you're like, God, this is such mind. There's so much mental crap going on with that. I mean, it, it works, I guess, or they think it works. I think 20 games left was sort of like, okay, we need a reset and we need to package this reset in a way that feels like it's something new. We need to re- we need to rebrand the rest of the season because nothing to this point is, has worked and we have to give we have to repackage what the final 20 games mean in the hope that it's not just a continuation of the first 36. And so the coach says, "Damn it, this is what we're going to do." And he hasn't said this this publicly, but one can imagine he has said it in the room. If you're not part of this, you're not part of it. You're not going to play. Um, Patrick Liney, 13 minutes last night. Um, wow. And and so it, it's a directive. It's 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 an attempt again to say, okay, we ha- we we haven't identified ourselves as playing a certain way other than wildly inconsistent and too often not well enough. Let's find something that literally any professional hockey player can do if they want to, and that is play hard and check and stay on the right, the quote, right side of the puck. Everybody can do that. That's a minimum. That's a minimum ask. Do you know what I'm saying? And so let's build off of that on three, one, two, let's go. And now here we are. Yeah. But, but, and I, I buy into all of that. I support all of that. But again, how, how is this message new? Right? Like if, if, if he, if, if this message needs to be delivered, if this is the repackage, what has been happening for the past however many games when we thought this was already the message? You know what I mean? Like if you're saying we're hard work, you know, first it was we're offensively free. We're going to be offensively creative. We're going to loosen the reins. And then there was this whole thing. No, no, no. We're going to return to our defensive identity. If if you didn't keep saying that, (laughs) I think we actually missed the real change then (laughs) because this message isn't new. Um, And I'm not shitting on anyone. I just, I just don't, it's just it's just incongruous with what we've been being told after the first whatever it was eight to ten games. It reminds me of the year after they first made the playoffs, uh, so t- two thousand nine ten under Hitch when they and they were all over the map, and they showed up one day at the rink with shirts on that on the back said "It starts now." Oh yeah, I remember that right. And then they they you know they won like three of their next twelve or whatever, and it was like okay, no, really now is when it starts. 
this is when it starts. That t-shirt, forget the shirts, that's not when it started. There's this constant restart. And a lot of coaches feel the need to do this. So they feel like it's effective. Look, Allison, this is a desperate, this is a desperate, it's a desperate coach. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, I don't a, I don't know that it's a desperate team. I don't know that it char- is. Well, it's it's a desperate coach hoping to make his team desperate. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Or at least give them something. And I, I think it's I think he's trying to also set, like I said, a baseline standard that he can say to everybody, you have been told if you don't meet up to this standard, which is by the way, right down here. It's not so much a performance standard as it is an effort standard or a desire standard. Then you're not going to play. You've been warned. Yep. And we go from here. And so I, I think it could work. I thought they played okay last night. They weren't great, but they played okay last night. They didn't give up a ton. There were a lot of shots by Tampa, but they didn't give up a lot off the rush, I would say. Um, there weren't a lot of odd man rushes. Uh, so progress of a kind. Um but I think this could be a messy final five weeks of the season if the if the performances continue to be inconsistent. Absolutely agree. And, and you know, the Torts said this today when he was talking about Zach Dalpy, who comes up and says, it, the Torts says, you know, that's what we need. We need someone who's just going to come in and work. And right. it, and that that feeds everything you just described. You know, it, again, it's very hard for me to you know, there was a lot of, of narrative and I get it. I'm not crapping on anyone. There was a lot of narrative last night and this morning about, um, Oh, you know, they get up for Tampa. Oh, this is the whole two years ago thing. You know what? I don't buy it because it, how can you be a team that gets up for Tampa and literally cannot get up to beat Detroit? One of the worst teams. Like that to me is a worse problem than celebrate quote unquote celebrating that they got up and managed to, to defeat Tampa. This is like this is like the massively underperforming team of two years ago when you're almost stocked up and the team could not beat Edmonton. No. no. And in fact, got shellacked by Edmonton. Oh, you dropped. Yeah. And that's when Edmonton was abjectly awful. And yeah. again, this is these are all not good things <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yeah, why well, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I had a weird thought. I heard Jody Shelley articulate this a little bit. I've thought, I'm not sure if I believe it or not, but I think it's a, I think it's there. Um, I think when you play a team like Tampa, and we've seen this through the years with the Blue Jackets when they're just way before the, this this sort of iteration of team, but when they were just so over overclassed by or outclassed by their opponents where 
and and this was how they used to play the Red Wings in the early years of the franchise. Fear is an incredible motivator. Sure. If we don't play like at the top, we're probably not going to win even at the top of our game. But if we don't play at that level, we're going to get blown the hell out, embarrassed. And I think Tampa brings that out of them a little bit. But the on the on the opposite side, this team has has um, there's no other way to say it really has shown a tendency to be incredibly mentally weak. Yes. And I think they get the yips a little bit. In other words, you can't possibly admit that miss this three foot putt. It's a three foot putt. Right. There's no way you could miss that three foot putt. Are you kidding me? It's three feet. Right. How big the cut? You'll never miss that. Right. Well, it's a little breezy out here. Watch you don't stub your toe. Is that a little fluff of grass between the ball and the hole? Like I think that it's almost too rich for them to go to Detroit and feel like they have to win four points in those two games. I feel like it ate, it could have eaten them alive. And Detroit's the team that they're not very good, but damn it, they mostly play hard most nights. They're not very good. They play hard. And they had it, they had, they were embarrassed the night before, two nights before by Nashville. So they literally have nothing to lose. And here's a team that feels like it has to win four points here or it's not any good. And they just, oh my God, from the start unravel. Yes, but I mean, it, it, but you know, if, and I'm just being difficult now, I'm not saying you are not no, no. correct. I want to hear the other, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing is, okay, fine. They get the yips. Okay, fine. They don't want to be embarrassed by a powerful Tampa team. You were in Detroit on national television. Like yes. if you want to talk Response. about, if you want to talk yes. about being embarrassed, you know, and this yep. goes back to what we talked about last week, which is. I have no issue saying if Jarmo Kekalainen decides to move players at the trade deadline, no matter what happens, he has every right in the world to do that. Why in the world should he care about quote unquote, and I'm summarizing a big discussion we had, but why should he care about having to go in the room and say, I'm taking players away when, when this is how this group performs? Why does Jarmo have to suck it up and, and, not diminish the caliber of the room when this room, whether it's that they're mentally weak, whether it's something's going on, whether they don't know how to play anymore, I don't know, that they can be this severely inconsistent. And and if if the narratives of, oh, it's Tampa Bay, this and that and the other thing are, are true, that is a terribly bad sign. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I argued the points that, that, that you just talked about. It was our, it was our previous podcast. And I still kind of feel the way that I felt, but I you can't come out of the Detroit game, the Detroit games, I don't think, with the same feeling about this group. No, you cannot. Like, yeah, because, you know, the general manager lets the room tell them what to do. And the room they're, told they're, them. They're a, <laughs> screamed at them. <laughs> screamed at them. They're, they're in fourth place right now if they hold serve against Detroit. Right. Think about that. I mean... You know those, so maybe that's going to just make it harder or easier on Yarmo with the trade deadline. But the, those two games in Detroit, and I'm sorry, just winning in Tampa, and no one has suggested this, but winning in Tampa does not wash those two oh God, no. losses losses away. That 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 is that is it's a word that the room uses way too often, but it's unacceptable. And there were things in those games too that I just never thought. I would see, I could not believe when Nick Foligno pulled up on a hit where I thought he could have, maybe it's a touch late 
maybe he doesn't. And and to his in his defense, I'll I'll always defend Nick Foligno, but maybe he's he thinks you know what guys, it's always the captain that fights. And can somebody else show something? Yep. Here, because it's it's going to take more than just one guy who's willing to to get greasy to do something. But he pulled up on a hit where I thought he could have crushed a guy. And I've, I haven't seen that before. To see Gabriel Carlson get chased down by Sam Gagne and blasted off the puck. Sam Gagne is about a foot shorter than he is. And skate away with the puck. You're like, oh, my God. Like, guys. Like, I, I thought David, I think that if I'm remembering correctly, somebody was skating out of the zone and literally tripped over their own two feet and turned the puck over with, like, no, there was no pressure on them whatsoever. It was just like, God, it looked like you're, I don't know. It did not look like an NHL performance. Well, and and we talked about this play after. I mean, and I I put the clip out on Twitter to be very honest. They were the jackets were hemmed in their own zone for way too long. Cam Atkinson finally gets the puck on his stick and he just rips that puck around the boards. I would wager knowing he's going to take an icing. Like yeah. to your point of of Nick Felino being like can someone else do something? To me, in that moment, and I'm not saying this is like a everyday thing, in that moment, that was an F you <laughs> from yeah. Cam. Yeah, yeah. Just because right. just because of whatever this is. And then it it yes, the room is is screaming at Yarmo what he should and shouldn't do right now. Yeah. And yet miraculously, <laughs> there are three points out of the playoffs. Yes, that is a true thing that's happening. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, it tell, doesn't it? I'm going to go off on a tangent here for a second. All those years, the first several years, and really the first 15 years of the franchise. Oh, it's so hard to make the playoffs. It's just so hard. And I remember saying, it really, it shouldn't be. Like at that time, I think it was even easier in the West than it was. I know there were 15 teams in each in each conference. So you have eight out of 15 teams you know make the playoffs, right? By definition, one team below standard right. is going to make the playoffs. Right. It's not the hardest thing in the world. What you have to be is average, average or better. And here, this team has been trying to. God, I mean, yeah, I keep thinking, well, that's it. This season is over. That's done. And you keep looking at the standings, and you're like, well, well, come on, like someone's got to do something. And now, one thing that has happened is it's gotten more crowded because Nashville's made a push. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, they, they look like, it's kind of funny that the topics in that town for the first two months of the season was who are they going to trade? Should they fire David Poyle? Yada, yada. Now they're, they're looking to be a playoff team and they're actually playing pretty well. Right. Um, Allison, a, a and I, I know some people are going to say, stop harping on him. Cause there's a lot of players that aren't playing well and they're right. They are right. There are lots of players on this team that who are not playing very well. Jack Roslovic has struggled. Uh, Felino has struggled. Max Domi has struggled. We could go on. Texier is playing better now. It's all over the place. But when you are, argue, not arguably, when you are clearly the most talented forward on a team and you are struggling like Patrick Line is here, this is the pros. It's going to draw some attention. And he looks lost. Yes. He looks Absolutely lost. I did some math today, which is also oh a scary thing. On paper and pen, or did you use Excel this time? No, paper and pen. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Line A has played 333 NHL games total, Winnipeg and Columbus. In 16 of those, he's gone without a shot on goal, so about 5%. Four of those games have already happened with the Blue Jackets, including last night against Tampa Bay. Allison, he didn't have a shot attempt until late in the third period when he made a pretty strong move to the rack. And his shot went high, no save necessary by Curtis McElhenney. He just is not, he's not Patrick Line right now. What do you see? What do you not see? He said one or fewer shots in 10 of 27 games with the Blue Jackets and is on, I think it's a 17 game stretch with one goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think that it's, it's unfair to single him out. Because, be, and let's talk about some of the players you mentioned there too, specifically Max Domi, who comes to this team with numbers that suggest not only offensive contribution, but the ability to create high danger scoring chances with his ability to pass in, in high danger areas. So if, if Patrick Laine comes in, and, and he's, this is his quote, he's used to being set up for scoring chances. If there's no one who can set him up for scoring chances, Okay, fine. The next answer is, well, you have to start creating scoring chances. Okay, but that's not something that happens overnight. Now, would I like him to be a little harder on the puck? I would. Would I like him to use his size when the puck is on his stick when he's coming into the offensive zone or moving through the neutral zone? I would. I think that those would be fair requests of the player, and I think they would make him more valuable. But, you know, I've made this comparison a couple times now. Patrick Laine is a Lamborghini. Patrick Laine is a very, very, very elite, very rare, very specialized player, particularly right now. If you live downtown and you only drive around downtown, are you going to make the best use if you have a Lamborghini and that's what you drive around downtown? I would suggest no. And right now, Patrick Laine is a Lamborghini owned by someone who drives in a four-block radius and lives downtown somewhere. And it, it just the, the, the lack of fit, and, and this is the case for you know, a couple of things on this roster right now, the lack of fit is just magnified in, in the lack of results from him. Again, can he do more? I absolutely believe that he can. But I also think that he's in a situation that doesn't suit his strengths right now, at least. Yeah, that's fair. But and let me, let me play the, um, oh, okay. Play the opposite. I'm ready. The opposite side of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause honestly, I was, I was, I'm a little surprised looking through the comments that it, it seemed it Tortorella is taking a lot of the heat uh, for this or for something that may or may not happen the rest of the way and not, and people aren't taking issue with the players saying I'm a Lamborghini. That's what I do. And I, I think it's great that he's a Lamborghini. And I, in fact, would love to drive one <laughs> someday. But um, you know what? You can, you're not just a Lamborghini. Um, you get to kind of choose who you are a little bit. And some of the stuff, when he says, and this is a quote, I'm usually the high guy looking for openings where I can maybe receive the puck and try to shoot it. That's what I'm good at. But you still have to do other things, so I don't know. That's a tough one. I asked him if 
the request of Tortorella and Kekalainen to be a 200-foot player was affecting his game. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there is a little bit of that that makes me go, well, you know, kid, you can you can get your you can get dirt under your fingernails too. Hundred percent agree. Hundred um, percent. And I, I I don't want I, I certainly don't want to turn him into to Riley Nash or or Foligno or those guys. I want that shot. It's special. And it should be used. And I'm not sure I agree with with um, the with even trying to get him to be a 200 foot player. But I do think I think what's affecting him right now. I think it's a an easy out. And and I'm not saying this just to to have the other side of the argument. I fully believe this. I do think it's kind of bullshit to say that his game is as bad as it is right now because he doesn't have a center. When I watch him play. Frankly, I see a guy who appears to be rejecting the coaching that he is receiving. Mm-hmm. I, they've asked him to carry the puck more, to be more of a power forward. I can think of four or five instances the last 10 games where it, it looks like he's deliberately skating the puck into traffic and it gets turned over and he doesn't seem to have a big problem with it. It's almost defiance, it looks like. Well, um, and again, it may be not wise for them to go there with him, but I guess I don't care for the response either. Well, but but I mean, that's how I started. I specifically said, and and part of the problem, again, please, if you are on the internet, I encourage you to read the things in their totality, not the tweet, not the headline, and then start firing off all of your comments and opinions, for the love of God. But... I started this off in saying, yes, there are things I would like to see him do better. I mentioned specifically yeah. zone entries. I mentioned specifically being hard on the puck. I think part of the problem, and this happens so often, is people see the term power forward and they think, oh, I'll see John Tortorella. This, the, in terms of the narrative and the reception, as you talk about, people yeah. think, well, Patrick Line is not supposed to be a Josh Anderson. No, that's not what we're saying. But yeah. I, And I agree with you. I think there are personal initiatives that he can take on skills that will make him a better player that he should be able to do without question. Um, I don't disagree with you there, but I think this is also a guy and, and, you know, we don't in the limited way that we are able to get to know players this year, we don't have as many opportunities as we usually do, but this is a guy who I talk about this all the time. Pre-draft interview is laying back on a pill. I mean, this guy does not care. (laughs) what he says, what quips he makes. And nine times out of 10, you're going to love that. But to your point, when the attitude flips the other way, now you have to live with that too. Um, and, and I just don't have a good read on what's going on behind the scenes. And we know this is a guy who, who does show emotion that sometimes is what you see and sometimes is not. Um, yeah, he can be better. Yes. But I also think that he's in a position that's not the best for him either. And it is fair to say to someone, it is fair to say to Yo-Yo Ma, even though you're a master cellist, you have to go work in this grocery store. And yeah, Yo-Yo Ma has to do that, but he doesn't always have to love it. And if that's not a suiting to his skills, he may not do it great either. And that's an extreme comparison, but I, I think there's just so many things at play here. Yeah. At line A, one shot on goal was last three games. Ice time in those three games when we start back to the first Detroit game, 14-45, 14-56, and 13-12, which is 
probably five minutes at least less than it normally would be or should be. Mm-hmm. So this man, we don't need to get into the ramifications of this, but I think we can just, I think, are we safe to say that this is not without assigning blame to one side or the other, maybe assigning blame to both. This is not working right now. I agree. hundred yeah. percent. And that's not good because they really, really need him. They could, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a guy that can, that's a 40 goal guy. And mm, you've got one of those on the roster and you're not getting anything out of them. That hurts. It is, but again, you know, and again, this goes back to systems, regardless of who's the coach is that, you know, there are things that you can really, really need if your situation means you need it. Um, he's a 40 goal guy in a very specific system with a very specific set of, of support structures. And, and I, I don't know that with this, again, I'm, I'm sound like a broken record, but with this team right now, can he be a 40 goal guy? Even if he's all in, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, yeah. so there's a couple things hey, at play. You just have to wonder how he's going to respond to the new edict. Yes. Cause that, that is surely not tailored to his style. No, no. I mean, yeah. So it bears watching, uh, the rest of the way. Um, Allison, Miko Lettinen last night, one game. We both watched him on TV. Your thoughts on on him, his game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I I I wasn't disappointed. I I wasn't I, blown away, but I think that's a good first game. Um, and much like we've talked about before, with many a player, um, I'll have a better opinion five games in, ten games in. Um, there's a lot of adrenaline on that first game, so let let's see what we get from him. Three games from now as well. Yeah, we read into everything. It's our job. Um, John Tortorella last night, effusive in his praise of Miko Lettinen, which I couldn't help but wonder. Those are nice words about Miko Lettinen. I wonder if it's also a shot across the bow. Oh, 100%. It totally is. <laughs> to somebody else. It totally is. Yes. Boy, does he prepare for games, Alice. Oh, boy, yes. Ooh, you should see him prepare for games. That's telling somebody, you don't know how to prepare for a game. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, anything else we need to get to? I think that's it. Um, for those who are followers of Ohio State men's hockey, some of those players are um, moving into professional careers at, at different levels. Um, Leighton Ahak, who was a Vegas Golden Knights prospect, has signed his ELC with that club. Um, so it's good to continue to see Buckeyes um, take hold in the national Hockey League or the American Hockey League. Yeah, good stuff. And Tyler Angle signs an yes. uh, entry-level contract with the Blue Jackets. Boy, he's he was on an amateur trial with with uh, Cleveland and was just lighting it up, point a game. So good for him, a draft pick. Seventh rounder, I believe, Yep, a couple of years ago. Yep. So good for him. His seventh rounder does not have a clear path to an ELC always. So good on him on for earning that. Um, all right. Well, we will talk to you next week. I'm sure it's going to be a wild one. The Blue Jackets are Thursday in Tampa, then a couple with Florida, and then back with the Lightning again. Uh, so we will have plenty to talk about. <laughs> it's never boring. Allison, they're not always good, but they're never boring. I think that could be a I, team I, motto one year. Instead of out of our blue, we rise. What do you think? I, you know, after this season, I, I, I'd, I'd enjoy a little boring, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> Just a touch. Yes. I, it, it sings. And one side of the dressing room would say, not always good. 
dot, dot, dot. And then on the other side, it could say dot, 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 but never boring. That'd be a good look, wouldn't it? It's shocking that you don't have a marketing career. They've had worse things up on that wall. <laughs> Hardcore hockey among them. <laughs> yes. Uh, Allison, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks to our producer, Danielle Lehman. And before we get out of here, I want to let you know, March Madness is here and the Athletics College Basketball Crew brings you the Ding You, presented by BetMGM. They'll cover all of the action, both on the court and at the sportsbook, grabbing insight from the Athletics College basketball writers and picking the brain of BetMGM top bookmakers. Next show, Thursday at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Daily Ding feed and streaming on the Athletics YouTube channel. So thanks for listening to Front Nationwide, and we'll be back to chat with you next week. Take care.